ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Previewing all the NFL game odds to get you ready to wager each week on all the NFL action, college football, plus all the local teams and NBA action later this fall. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. And tonight's edition of Bet LA with Anita Marks is made possible by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Fat Jack joins us now, FatJackSports.com. Jack, how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing good, Anita. The weekend's here. That's a great thing. I'll tell you, last week I had one of my worst beats of the entire year, which, you know, they come and go. But I had Chicago and the under to turn a 4-2 and two day into a 2-4 and four day with that one meaningless run at the end of the Green Bay game where Green Bay covered and it went over. So, although a pretty good week overall, a great season overall, Sunday stung just a little bit when we took a 4-2 and two and turned it into a 2-4 and four because the Bears became the Bears when they played Green Bay, at least for a one play or so. So I'm excited about this week and get, getting things going. Yeah, let's get it started, and uh, and let's talk about some of the New York teams. Two really great games on tap. The Giants at home, home dogs, getting six and a half, going up against those Eagles. Boy, have they turned it around, able to stop the run against Derrick Henry in Tennessee last week, and now they get Saquon Barkley. Over-unders at 45. How are you playing this one, Jack? Yeah, you know, both of the New York teams, I, I think it's a similar breakdown and that it's going to be really difficult for both of them to cover numbers if they can't score against the opponent's defense. You're getting one of the best defenses in the league in Buffalo when they're playing the Jets. And in this Philly game, you're getting an offense balanced to be able to move the ball and, and a Giants uh, offense that's really one-dimensional. As you alluded to, Philly's been good at stopping the run, at least lately. It, you don't want to look too much at recency bias. But And the Giants have been good at home. They're 4-1 against the spread at home, actually tied for the, the high mark, uh, covering the number 9-3 and three this year, tied with Cincinnati. Really, really good against the spread. But what we know is that those things typically, will, there will be some regression as we go toward this latter, latter part of the season. I like Philly minus the 6.5 or 7 based on the one-dimensional offense that the Giants are bringing in and the fact that Philly's just seen that and did a really good job of stopping that. So I'll take Philly minus the points. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Jack. I'm surprised this line is, uh, is 6 and a half seven I, I would expect it to be seven and a half in some places but nonetheless I'm with you uh fly Eagles fly that's for sure uh, a team that has been flying with a new quarterback Mike White starting quarterback for the Jets now will continue to be under the helm uh, going up against the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo Buffalo's favored by nine and a half the over under here is 43 and a half the first time these two teams met the Jets of course won bad weather conditions expected in Buffalo this Sunday 30 degrees, snow, wind up to 10, 15 miles per hour. Uh, what's your play here? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, even if the weather wasn't bad, I don't know how under's not the best play in the game. I mean, I lean toward Buffalo minus the points because of the things we just talked about. The Jets are going to have trouble scoring. Mike White is a great made-for-Disney TV movie, AMC <laughs> movie, or so, but I think there's going to be a little bit regression after his first couple starts. So I don't expect him to keep that up long-term. 
all of the series trends, Jets and Buffalo's trends, all go under. Five of the last seven Jets games have gone under. Five of the last seven in the series have gone under. And eight of the last ten Buffalo games have gone under. As you alluded to, there's weather coming up in Buffalo on Sunday as well. I like under, absolutely. I, they can't set it much lower than 42 or 43. And I, do, I think even though there's not going to be a lot of scoring, I think the Jets are going to really have trouble scoring. And with that Buffalo defense, uh, still being one of the tops in the league, I think they'll get some short fields as well. So hard for me not to play Buffalo, and I definitely like the under. Uh, some other games out there. How about this, man? Dallas, favored by 17. When was the last time a team was favored by 17? I think maybe this is the only time this season um, against the Houston Texans. Ever since Dak Prescott came back, what, week seven, week eight, something like that, um, this offense has just been prolific. Third best offense uh, behind Kansas City and, and Cincinnati. So uh, are you laying the 17? Are you laying the 17, Jack? Hard to say, you know, when I talk about college or basketball, you know, this is the NFL. You typically don't get that big a line. Now, historically, when you get above 14 and a half or so, favorites typically do really, really well. You get 14 to about 11, you'll have a trend toward the underdogs. Up over that 14 and a half and higher, the favorites typically do well. The thing about Dallas as well, they are very balanced. And so this is a team, I need, we may be talking about them a while in the playoffs, but I know Cowboy fans are always excited and they're let down of some ridiculous loss when they're not supposed to. But this team has the pieces, and as you mentioned, they're going to have some momentum heading into the playoffs. I, another game I would lean under, I don't know how a lot of points are going to come against that Dallas defense, and I would lay the number. I, I'm thinking 34-7, to 7, something like that. It is that blowout situation, uh, and you have a lot of trends leading toward the under. Five of the last five Houston games have gone under when they're playing in this series. Um, and Houston in general, as we know, not not very good at scoring points. So I don't think Dallas will will score 50, but they're like the, you know, they did a lot last week, but I do think they're going to score enough not only to cover the number, uh, but be comfortable. And I also I think Houston is going to struggle. I would play under as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Over-under is at 44. Uh, again, the, the, the Cowboys favored by 17. My favorite prop bet is uh, Tony Pollard scoring a touchdown. Odds for that have not hit the board yet, but he's got eight touchdowns his last five games. To me, he's the Aaron Jones of uh, of Texas. All right, uh, let's talk about a few more NFL games and some really good ones in prime time. Uh, we really have not uh, had had uh, the luxury of having two really good prime time games, but we do this week, and that's the Bucks going up against the 49ers. 49ers at home, favored by three and a half. The over under here is at thirty seven. Um, you know, this is this is really interesting. Do you know that Purdy and Suckup are both Mr. Irrelevance? Did you know that? I, I did not. I, I did not know that. That's so, certainly so, trivia for later on if I go to the bar or something. Right, yeah, right. There you I go. Think, there you go. Think, here's what's irrelevant about, about Brock Purdy. <laughs> I mean, I watched a lot of Brock Purdy when he was in college. And this dude, I, I understand they're building him up. I understand they're excited about the team. But I think this is absolute fool's gold. He is going to, unless he just made a total transformation in the NFL, his decision-making in college when he got pressure, which wasn't a lot, they had very nice security blankets for him uh, and a couple of really big, long tight ends. But when he got pressure, he threw it to the other team as much as he threw it to his team. The problem is if they were playing somebody good offensively, I would I would back the Brinks truck up. I mean, I literally would bet again because I'm I'm sure offensively they're going to struggle and Tampa's defense will put will be formidable. But what do we get out of Tom Brady? I mean, the guys the dude's divorced. He's doing better, but he for most of the game last week he was throwing tantrums. He's back throwing the notebook and stuff, and then all of a sudden. They blink their eyes because New Orleans doesn't pick up a first down when they, when they should have on a running play that was 
uh, insignificant at the time, but meant a ton in the, in the overall scheme of the game. They come back and bang, bang, now they win the game, and we still think they're there. I think this team has a lot of problems offensively, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to capitalize against another very good defense than what San Francisco is. Under the total, absolutely in the game. If you make, I'm not playing Brock Purdy until further notice because anybody that could get pressure on him is going to force him into short fields for the other team's offense. So a lean toward Tampa and definitely the under. Uh, and the under, by the way, is at 37. The other big, of course, Monday night game, the Miami Dolphins stayed out west. Of course, they took on the 49ers last week. Tough loss against the 49ers. That defense is just too damn good. Uh, so the Dolphins stayed out west. Now they take on the Chargers in L.A. This is a Chargers defense, 29th in pressure rate, bottom five in explosive play percentage allowed. And, oh, by the way, Tyreek Hill is coming to town. So uh, this is the Dolphins team. Favored by three and a half. The over-unders at 51 and a half. How are you playing this bad boy? Yeah, the staying east or staying west has been a recent trend that most teams have been adapting to, and it has helped. The line would worry me more than anything else if I was Miami because I'm with you. I, I don't know how this defense for the Chargers stops him and stops this, uh, this offense for what, what Miami's been doing, not just uh, over the last part of the season, but the entire year. This team offensively has been really, really good. Now, 15 of the last 17 in this series have gone under. The Chargers have kind of had that secret sauce for muddying the game up, keeping it low scoring. And nine of the last 10 when the series is in L.A. have gone under. So most of the time going under, I do think this will be a little lower scoring game, and so does Vegas. So do the line setters. This number would be closer to a touchdown if they felt like Miami was going to have their way offensively. The Chargers are not equipped for any type of shootout, and Miami's defense has done enough to keep them, you know, keep them at bay in the 20s somewhere. So I do think if the game's going to be close, it goes under. I would absolutely go there first. Hard for me to absolutely fade Miami's offense, so I would lay the points and play them. I love it. Hey, Fat Jack, FatJackSports.com. That's where you can find him. Before I let you go, let's talk some college. I know uh, you were excited to, to, to break down this one last week. We previewed it. Army against Navy. Uh, what we do know, is, like death and taxes, it's both these teams are going to run the football, and, and the under typically hits uh, more times than not. The over-under is at 32-and-a-half. Um, what's your play here? Yeah, this is an interesting one, though, Nitty. You're absolutely right. 16 years in a row this game has gone under. Mm-hmm. Navy's won 17 uh, and 5 uh, at the last 22, so they've won 17 and 22. But consider this, Nitty. If the total was 33 the last 16 games that they played, the over would be 9 and 7. This total, at some point, you have to understand that the, the fact it's gone under 16 years in a row is baked into the line. Vegas, and this is not a, an obscure stat nobody knows. Everybody knows this game has gone under 16 straight years. I do think there's going to be more points. I think Army's the right side of the team. Wrong team favorite here. I would play Army, and I think it goes over the 33. Hard to do and, and watch the game. I might go you know, run a marathon or something during the game. But not, not me personally, but I would get out of the house because watch it. Betting the over in Army Navy is going to be a tough road to hoe with his third day. They're running the full that back guys. But I do think it gets there. As I said, 33 is a total. Nine and seven would be over uh, if that total had been that way over the last 16 years. So lean toward the over. Yeah, this is one of those games you put on and you take a nap. Um, That's true, exactly. <laughs> Fat Jack, always great having you on. Thank you so much, my friend. Good luck this week. All right. Have a great week, Anita. See you soon. You got it. Fat Jack, FatJackSports.com. That's where you can find him. Quick break. We'll come back. Um, I'll have for you my plays, my picks, NFL, as well as my Army and Navy play as well, right here on 710 ESPN. You're listening to Bet LA. 
This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Ben L.A. here on 710 ESPN L.A. All right, we just heard from Fat Jack. Uh, what are some of my favorite uh, NFL and and college football plays heading into this weekend slate. Um, let, let's start first and foremost with Army and Navy. Uh, like I said, with with Fat Jack, like nothing more, um, you know, uh, absolute than um, than Army and Navy running the football and the under hitting. But is this the year that you take the over at thirty two and a half? Uh, the last ten games have averaged thirty three points between these two teams, right? Um, now, but here's the difference this season. Army, they have scored 40, if not more, points in four games this season. Uh, Navy has put up 53 points in one game. In two games, they've put up 32 points, and one was against Notre Dame. Okay? I do believe that Navy does have the better quarterback. Uh, Army does have two good running backs, and I just feel that Navy's better uh, with on the offensive line and the defensive line. Okay? So... I, I know Fat Jack is on the Army side. I'm more on the Navy side, but I think the play here, and, and this is where Fat Jack and I do agree, I think the play here is the over at 32 and a half. Uh, what are some of the NFL plays that I'm looking at in, in this week's slate? There's there's quite a few. Like I said earlier when I opened up the show, um, I, I actually really like this this week's slate. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, for, for these games. Uh, first and foremost, uh, in regard to the Eagles, I'm going to lay the six and a half as, as much as, you know, I'm, I'm from New York. Uh, I covered the Giants. I worked for the Giants for quite a few years. I'm a big Daniel Jones fan. I, I just think this Eagles team is too good. Uh, they got Jordan Davis back last week, which they were able to, I mean, just marinating this for a minute. They were able to hold, um, they held Derrick Henry to 30 rushing yards. So now I know they've got Saquon Barkley. The Giants are more one-dimensional than even Tennessee is. So I think the Giants are going to have a hard time here. So I am going to lay the points uh, with with the Eagles in in New York. Uh, we talked about this earlier, the Jets and the Bills. As you know, I'm on the under there at 43-and-a-half. Uh, Minnesota going up against the Detroit Lions. I love the Lions this week. Why, why? Detroit is 3-1 and one their last four games. They've covered five straight against the, the spread. They're finally getting healthy, especially on the offensive side of the ball. St. Brown as well as uh, Swift, uh, they're back in action. They're healthy. They're scoring, get this, 70, 75% of their red zone possessions, they're scoring touchdowns. Talk about marinating. Marinating that for a minute. 75% of their red zone possessions, they are scoring touchdowns. Uh, they're also scoring on 54% of their drives. And Goff going up against Minnesota. Minnesota has allowed the most passing yards per game this season to oppo- opposing quarterbacks. If, if Goff is available on a fantasy uh, waiver wire, what are you doing? Listen to this show. Run, run, don't walk. Go pick up that bad boy. Um, that's what I'm telling you to do. As for the Cleveland Browns in Cincinnati, this might be my favorite play this week. Cincinnati at home. This line was six. It's now dropped to five and a half. Jump on this right now. The over-under is at 47. The Bengals have scored over 50 possessions since week eight. Okay? So since week eight, they they over 50 times that they've had they've they've possessed the ball. They have scored points since week eight. Uh, Burrow and this offense are just have been outstanding. And oh, by the way, potentially they get Joe Mixon. And not that that 
Samaji P. Ryan has, uh, you know, he's been very serviceable. But let's be honest, uh, Joe Mixon is, is a whole another caliber of running back. Uh, going up against Cleveland and Deshaun Watson, I think, you know, because we a lot of times like we have the snag, stagnant view of a player, Deshaun Watson is an unbelievable quarterback. But man, when, you, when you've been off for 700 days, two years, you've been off for 700 days, it's that's tough. Um, 54% completion percentage, only averaged six yards per pass attempt, and three for nine, uh, three of nine, I should say, for 37 yards when he was pressured. And he will get pressured by the Cincinnati Bengals and that defense. So I just think I think Watson is, is still he's got some still he's got some rust that he needs to to get off. Um, and and I think he's going to have a hard time against the Cincinnati Bengals team. Also, I love mentioning the officiating crew. Um, Jerome Boger is uh, it's 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 his officiating crew that's overseeing this game. Cleveland averages seven penalties per game, and this officiating crew calls a lot of roughing the passer penalties. And seventy percent of the time, it's against the road team, which of course in this case is Cleveland. Okay, division home teams twenty three and, and twenty three and twelve. Okay. Uh, when uh, when this officiating crew oversees uh, their game. As for Dallas and, and the Houston Texans, uh, lay the points here. Again, it's kind of teetering, 17-18. If you're scared, say you're scared. I'm not scared. Uh, listen to this. The Dallas Cowboys, since Dak Prescott came back, explosive passing plays of 20 yards or more, second best in the NFL behind Kansas City and Cincinnati. 20 of 23 red zone possessions, the Dallas Cowboys have scored touchdowns. First... And points per drive. Houston, 31st. The Dallas Cowboys, 50% first down rate. The Houston Texans, worst in the NFL. Dallas, best defense in sack and turnover rate. Guess what? The Houston Texans, the absolute worst. So I'm not scared to lay the 18. I'm really not. I think this is this is going to be a game that you're, you're going to turn away from. You're going to turn off in the fourth quarter. Also, I like Pollard to score a touchdown. I call him the Dallas, um, uh, the Aaron Jones of Dallas. He has eight touchdowns in his last five games. So uh, so I, I really like that one as well. And um, and last but not least, uh, the Bucks going up against the 49ers. Uh, what my play here is the under at 37. I know it's low, but it's low for a reason. So this is really interesting, and I mentioned this uh, with, uh, with, with Fat Jack not too long ago, but uh, Brock Purdy and Ryan Suckup are both Mr. Irrelevant. So, and, and if you don't know what Mr. Mr. Irrelevant is, the absolute last player drafted in the NFL draft. They actually get a parade. <laughs> and both, so the Tampa Bay Bucks field goal kicker and the 49ers starting quarterback this week, Purdy, are both Mr. Irrelevant. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the NFL where two Mr. Irrelevants uh, were significant, as significant, going up against one another. No Jimmy Garoppolo, as we know, the 49ers, second in yards per per play with Jimmy Garoppolo as the starting quarterback, but 18th without. And I do believe that they're going to struggle. The Bucs, uh, they, they, they score a touchdown in only, like I said earlier, five of 58 drives. How about that? Mer- a, a Tom Brady offense has only scored their last 58 drives. They've only scored touchdowns in five of them. Both defense rank first and second in allowing, in, in, in allowing scoring drives, uh, which is obviously not many. And the 49ers have a league low in points per drive allowed by their opponents, the Tampa Bay Bucks sixth. Now here's the prop bet that I do like in this matchup. 
and that is Godwin over-receiving yards and over-receptions. Why? The weakest link in that 49ers defense is against slot-wide receivers. They have the fourth-highest target rate in the NFL, slot-wide receivers against the 49ers. Okay? So that is a prop bet that I like in that matchup as well. So uh, those are some of the picks and the plays that I like heading into uh, this week's slate of games. Uh, like I said, I, I like the slate a lot. I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, quick break. Stay tuned. We come back. JJ Duvaney is going to join us. He's got a great soccer podcast on Spotify called Caught Offsides. Uh, hopefully you are as thrilled and into this World Cup as much as I am. And JJ has been on with us throughout uh, and he's just absolutely terrific. I also I like his accent. So um, so he's going to be joining us next with a, a World Cup dive. We'll find out who he likes heading into Saturday's matches right here. You're listening to Bet L.A. here on 710 ESPN L.A. This is Bet L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN, made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza Nutrient Pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Bet L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Bet L.A. here on 710 ESPN L.A. It is time to do a deep dive into the World Cup, and we've got two great matches taking place on Saturday. J.J. Duvaney joining us. He's been with us uh, all World Cup season long. Uh, he's got a great, I mean, an amazing podcast called Caught Offsides with Andrew Gunling, his partner in crime. You can get it on Spotify, download it, and, uh, and seriously, uh, the, the absolute best uh, soccer podcast you can get out there. So, J.J., welcome in. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, Anita? It's great. I- I'm just... Uh, again, you know me. We've known each other for quite a while. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't watch an iota of, of soccer, but boy, uh, do I love watching the World Cup. I love the storylines. I, I love, I love everything about it. I mean, even the storyline with the uh, the Moroccan player uh, who won with the penalty kicks against Spain, who is a Spaniard and was wasn't invited to play on his his on 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 his country's team, but was able to defeat them in penalty kicks. I mean, just like it's stories like that, JJ. That are just so fantastic in this in this whole tournament. Yeah, Ashraf Hakimi is the player you're you're uh, referring to there. To be fair to him, um, he did play some underage games for the Spanish national team, but he didn't feel a part of things. And uh, I think it was always his aim to play for the country of his parents' birth. I mean, it's it's such a lovely story. It's one of those stories that the World Cup throws up. His father was, uh, you know. Um, just worked very, very hard. His mother, too, both in kind of janitorial kind of uh, cleaning work. And uh, as immigrants, the kind of work that, that immigrants tend to do and the sacrifices that his parents made for him to, uh, for and indeed the rest of his family, for him to, you know, to get to the very top, to get to Real Madrid and then uh, spells at uh, Borussia Dortmund and now for, uh, PSG. You know, it's been a, it's been a long, long journey and it's... Um, it's amazing. And when he rolled home that penalty with such confidence, and then we, we, we saw the pictures of him embracing his mother afterwards, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. And it's been a wonderful story for Morocco. But i got to be honest, Morocco, you look through their side, it's not just Hakimi. You know, there's Amrabat in the midfield. Uh, Premier League watchers will be familiar with Roman Saiz, uh, Hakan Ziyech of Chelsea. Like, there's so much quality in this team. I'm, I'm wondering quite how they slipped under the radar so much. Well, they slipped under the radar for me. And, and again, I had you on. We were talking about the futures uh, bets for uh, for the tournament. I had Morocco finishing last in their group and potentially Spain upsetting Brazil. 
So just to show you, talk about polar opposites, just how off I was uh, in, in regard to uh, to that prediction, that's for sure. But uh, let's, let's dive into it. Again, Morocco going up against Portugal. This is the, uh, the early game on Saturday. Um, Portugal favored to win at minus 150. You can bet a draw in regulation at plus 265. Morocco with the upset at plus 475. Uh, Portugal, a lot of storylines behind Ronaldo as well. Uh, getting benched, not as not playing as one of the starters. Uh, so kind of uh, break this down for us. How are you seeing this match play out, JJ? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's amazing. Portugal, who've, who've always had quality players, but certainly under Fernando Santos, the manager, haven't been very expansive or, or good to watch. And, and suddenly they exploded against Switzerland with, uh, with Ronaldo being benched. It's like they were they were unburdened by the fact that this is a player who's He's probably gone through decline. Who is just not going to give them the things he that they need anymore? And is, if anything, like I said, he's a burden to the side. So they get rid of him. They bring in Gonzalo uh, Ramos, uh, the Benfica player, and he just—I mean—he opens up on Switzerland, and the team opens up and, and play this honestly fantastic football that we probably haven't seen Portugal uh, play in 20 years, despite the fact they won the Euros in 2016. So. So, yeah, it's fascinating. But the problem is now that it's it's this case of, uh, you know, a team that's found this irresistible moment in Portugal meeting the immovable object of Morocco. And if you saw the way Morocco played against Spain, it's hard to think that they won't do something similar against uh, the other Iberian opposition in Portugal. They're going to make things absolutely, desperately hard. They're going to be very hard to play through. Um, you'd expect that Portugal will win it. Uh, but this one could go the distance. It could. It, I mean, I think Portugal have more cutting edge than Spain do. But at the same time, like ah, Morocco, the, their ability to stop passing lanes. I mean, they don't give up chances. Not that they don't give up goals. They hardly give up any chances. Spain managed one shot on target against them. Um, so Morocco, incredibly difficult to go against. Uh, I think Portugal will shade it, but only just. So let me ask you, I mean, it doesn't sound like you think a lot of points are going to be scored here. Uh, you could wager that there's going to be under two and a half goals in regulation uh, at minus 145. Would that be the play here for you? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be many goals scored. Um, now, there, there's, a, there's a flip side to that, and it's part of tournament football that, you know, Morocco have been on this emotional run. They've had the emotional game, 120 minutes the other night plus penalties. That does take a lot out of a team. Will that tiredness creep in and ultimately create gaps for Portugal? I just don't see Portugal running over them. I can see them winning. So, yeah, this is going to be low scoring. Interesting, interesting. Um, and then the uh, the second game on Saturday, uh, of course, is, uh, is England uh, going up against uh, France. England... Now, this is really interesting. Uh, both these teams, uh, uh, obviously the odds makers believe that both these teams are somewhat evenly matched because you get plus money uh, betting on either one winning. France, if they win, it's plus 145. So what does that mean? You're laying $100 down to win $145. England, plus 205 for it to end in a draw is plus 230. Uh, Mbappe has just been outstanding. Five goals and in, in three assists so far in, in this tournament uh, break this one down for us, JJ. How is this going to play out? Yeah, it's it's one of the great things in Asia about a, a quarterfinal uh, matchup like this. Um, you basically can look at England and you can look at France and think they haven't really played anybody up to this point. Um, oh, sure, they've had you know tricky encounters, but generally speaking, they've 
they've breezed through to get to the quarterfinal. And this is the first time that they've made met opposition of their own weight division. So, yeah, it's a fascinating one. I would agree it's 50-50. Uh, a lot of people are saying that the difference between France and England is Mbappe. Um, that might be true, but it's not as if these two teams don't have other players in form. You're looking at um, Jude Bellingham for England, playing in the midfield, who just kind of opened up Senegal after a difficult start for England. He's such an important player. And for France, Antoine Griezmann, who has been a revelation at this tournament, but has flown under the radar simply because Mbappe has, has taken all the limelight. So, you know, those are other players that are going to be crucial in this one. It's interesting for England, first of all, how they deal with Mbappe, because you do have to do something specialist against him, I think. So, um, will they go to a back three? Will they try and double up on him? Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about Kyle Walker, the Manchester City right back against uh, Mbappe. Is that going to be the matchup that decides this game? It could be. Can Walker stick with Mbappe? He can stick with Mbappe. Can he stick with him for 90 minutes plus? Hard to know. And then also the other little uh, wrinkle in this one is that the midfield anchor, Declan Rice, who I thought was excellent against uh, Senegal. Uh, England are, are sweating on his fitness. You know, the replacements to come in are, are not as mobile. Rice has covered so much ground in this tournament. So what if Rice can't play? What does that do to England? Uh, does that mean that Hend- Jordan Henderson comes in? Does it mean that Calvin Phillips comes in? Uh, someone who hasn't played a lot of of, of games for, for Manchester City in the in the past three months since his transfer from Leeds United. So a lot of questions here. Uh, it's a tight game. France to shade it slightly. So you you have Fra- you have France advancing in this matchup, right? Yeah, hopefully I really do. I hope that's the case. Uh, we want England out and we want them beaten. <laughs> I know you don't like England. I love it. Uh, the over-under at two and a half goals is minus. So the under, I'm sorry, the under at two and a half goals is minus 130. Uh, like I said, Mbappe has is, is just been absolutely incredible. Do you see a lot of scoring here or no, JJ? Um, I mean, England are, both teams can, are conservative in their own ways and are very good defensively. And like I said, it, it's a hard one to call, seeing as this is the first time they've really met that serious level opposition mm-hmm. it didn't have it in the group although England drew with the US who gave them their best game of the group for sure uh, France certainly didn't have it in the group and they got past Poland with relative ease uh, England scored you know England scored those goals against Senegal kind of free-flowing uh, hour for them really before before half time um, yeah I don't I don't see a ton of it maybe maybe 2-1 France maybe that's a good one 2-1 France. Okay, before I let you go, um, you know, give us your thoughts in, in regard to the United States. I mean, very disappointing loss, obviously, to the Netherlands. Even though, here's the thing, JJ, like, even though the United States lost, I just didn't, I didn't enjoy the game. I just didn't feel that it was a good match, right? Like, I just, I was expecting, not that I was expecting the United States to win, but, like, I was just expecting more from them. I was expecting a more entertaining match. Uh, and and I don't feel that that it was delivered. Uh, your your thoughts oh, I, your thoughts and, and summarize what you saw from the United States in this tournament and what can we expect from them four years from now when the United States, Canada, as well as Mexico host. Um, first of all, I thought it was a very entertaining match. It's just the, the entertainment didn't fall on the side of the Americans, <laughs> and, and, that, and yes. that's what and that's and that's what you get when you get partisan fans who are you know it's the same thing that happens in the hockey at the Olympics. Like, loads of people are suddenly into hockey because the United States are playing, and if they don't play well, it's a, it's a disappointment. Supporters that have been watching the team for a long time were definitely disappointed, but for, but for different reasons. Um, you know, I think tactically the, the Dutch got it right. 
Um, but also, it, there was there was elements of luck in it too. If Christian Pulisic takes that chance in like the second or third minute where uh, Weston McKinney plays him in on, on the counter press, he scores that goal. It's a completely different game. And I wonder if your enjoyment levels would have changed. I thought the team were, were very good in terms of like um, throughout the tournament. I don't think they played great opposition. I think England was the one team they placed. I thought Wales and Iran were very disappointing. Uh, Wales in particular. And, and so that was a game they should have won. The Iran game, the U.S. made hard work of it. You know, overall, there was, on the metric side, some of them are a little bit too complicated to get into. But in terms of, you know, the, that midfield and, and the general style of play of the U.S., I thought it was a very a very encouraging World Cup that unfortunately came to a, a shuddering halt against the Dutch side that maybe some of us underrated. As for the World Cup in 2026, it depends if they... Um, if the players that they have right now that are in their early 20s continue to develop and continue to play regular club minutes at the highest level they possibly can, that's very important too. I think it would be great if we could pick up a striker along the way in the next four years. Don't know how likely that is, but I, I, would, I would leave the tournament disappointed at the way they went out, but with a general sense of optimism for the future. Great stuff as always, JJ. JJ Duvaney joining us. Uh, again, his uh, his podcast, Caught Offsides, and you can find that on Spotify, him and Andrew Gunling, one of the best soccer podcasts out there. JJ, thank you so much. Cheers, Anita. You got it. Um, again, Anita Marks, you're listening to Bet LA. We've gotten you, boy, have we gotten you ready for everything. NFL, college football, World Cup. Man, you are ready heading into the weekend, but we're not done yet. Um, Youngman Soup joins me next. We'll talk some NBA, some plays heading into Saturday and Sunday, as well as some futures bets. The Celtics, could they possibly be the best team ever in the history of the NBA? Don't drive off the side of the road. Let's hear Ohm respond. Uh, You're listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. This is Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Made possible tonight by Tiza. Get more focus and energy in your daily life with Tiza nutrient pouches. Visit TizaEnergy.com and make your mouth happy. Now more of Ben L.A. with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Let's end the show strong and finish with Ohm Youngman Soup talking some NBA. Ohm, how you doing? What's up, Anita? How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Let's dive into it. Um, you know, we've got the Lakers and the Clippers both playing over the weekend. On Saturday, the Lakers in Detroit taking on a Pistons team. Uh, and, and as we know, of course, uh, last game, you know, the, earlier in the week, we, we know that LeBron was dealing with an ankle issue. AD is dealing with the flu. This Lakers team is uh, performing below expectation, but there's still people out there who have hope. Uh, could this be what the doctor ordered a Detroit team uh, sitting, you know, with less than 10 wins on the season? What, what say you? Anita, this is one of the games on the schedule that they absolutely have to take care of. I mean, Detroit... Uh, is probably a little more dangerous than their seven wins, uh, you know, than their schedule or their record would indicate. Um, you can just ask Dallas, who was in Detroit recently, um, and they beat Detroit in overtime and was able to overcome Luka Doncic, um, even without Cade Cunningham. But the thing is, like, for the Lakers, one, they have to be healthy. As long as they have a healthy LeBron, healthy Anthony Davis, um, they should be good. This is you, you would have to say that so far the, in the road trip, um, them taking the first two games of the road trip was big. Um, and then, of course, after that, uh, losing two in a row, Cleveland and Toronto, they kind of had some health issues there with AD. 
and, and LeBron. So hopefully they can pull this out. They're overall playing better, and I think that's what you want to see. I, I, I don't know if it's sustainable, Anita, if Anthony Davis can continue to keep up that type of play. He's just not going to be able to score 44, 55 every night. We know that. But at least they're playing better. Uh, they're playing more together. I think guys are understanding their roles, even Russell Westbrook off the bench. And so if they can continue to do this and take off the games that they're supposed to win, they can hover around at least to play in until they get some sort of reinforcements. And I think that's what Laker fans are hoping for, that after December 15th, when guys who were signed this summer can be traded, that perhaps the Lakers can strike a deal at some point from that point and before the trading deadline in February that they can get some more help for LeBron and AD. Russell Westbrook, sixth man off the bench. You could get it plus 160. Would you play it? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you, you know, this might be a game where, this, you know, this, this might be actually be a game for him that he could thrive in and run. Uh, I think for him it's all about kind of getting in the open court, attacking the rim, um, and scoring. So, so, like, Detroit has a young team, so perhaps this could be a good game to get him going. Um, you know, but if you're asking me like six man of the year, yeah, um, yeah. N- no, I don't think so. I think there's, <laughs> I think there's going to be tougher competition unless Russell really picks up his game. Uh, again, Ohm Young Minsook joining us here on, uh, on bet LA. Uh, you've got a Clippers team, uh, that as well is, is going to be playing this weekend going up against the wizards, Kawhi back, but really the big question mark is, and you know, I heard Stephen A. Smith talk about it earlier this week, and that is like, you know, he has like a, a hangnail, and he's like, I'm out, I'm out. So, you know, what are your expectations in regard to the, against the Wizards this weekend? But also, what are your expectations big picture? Because if Kawhi and, and, and Paul George can stay healthy, the, the Clippers could be a team that really can contest and contend in the West and represent – but the big question mark is is if Kawhi can stay healthy. And, and again, you know, we're talking about hangnails and stuff. First, I would expect that Kawhi is going to be available to play in Washington, um, you know, which will be an emotional return for John Wall. Uh, he has been back in D.C. when he was with the Rockets back in 2021, but that was during COVID when there were no fans. So this will be the first time for John Wall to kind of go back, uh, feel the love from all the fans in D.C., deservedly so. Um, and, you know, he's, he's lost his mother, his grandmother uh, in the past, like, three years. So, like, basically when he was there, he was still grieving them. So this will be kind of a good, almost a little bit of closure for John Wall. I, I would say for the Clippers, uh, it's going to be up and down probably for all the way through All-Star break. Um, the, the schedule packed in 61 games before the All-Star break, 21 games on the way back. So what does that mean for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Well, as they continue to build these guys back up and make sure they stay healthy, that's the Clippers' number one goal, to make sure they stay healthy for the playoffs, um, you're going to have a lot of, um, you know, they're just going to be a little discombobulated at times. They're not going to have the chemistry, as you kind of saw in Orlando, when they jump out to a huge lead, Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George look good, and then all of a sudden it's like it, it, go, it dips, and all of a sudden it looks like they don't look great. And all of a sudden, the execution's not good at the end, and they lose in overtime to an Orlando Magic team that they should have beaten. And I think you'll see that a lot just because they're still very much working on chemistry, time together, uh, understanding what is needed for them, execution, things like that. And they don't have much practice time. And then you've got Kawhi Leonard in and out of the lineup. You know, he's being held out of back-to-backs. So is John Wall. Uh, They're on a minutes limit. These type of things, and they got other injuries to deal with, Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, 
These guys are in and out of lineup all the time. It's going to take a minute before they get their chemistry, their continuity together, and I think you're going to see that. Once they get to the playoffs, though, and if they are 100% healthy, um, they can definitely make noise. It's just a matter of how much time on the court will all these guys have together fully healthy 100%. Right, right. I hear you. And, and, and so let's, let's, let's look big picture, right? And let's talk about the Celtics team. Uh, talk about, you know, t- turmoil that, that they have uh, really went through prior to the season, starting with their head coach and, of course, like, you know, the talk of Jalen Brown potentially being traded to the Nets for KD and, you know, how is he going to come in mentally knowing that the team was willing to trade him? Man, he's shooting 45% from mid-range. Uh, you've got Tatum arguably, uh, you know, in the discussion for MVP this season. You can get that at plus 250, by the way. Uh, dare I say that this very well at the end of the day – could possibly be the greatest team we've seen uh, in, in NBA history, let alone right up there. I mean, listen, Om, you've got six players shooting 40% from, from downtown, and, and that's not even including Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown. I don't know if this is sustainable. I mean, we got a long way to go in the season. They are on fire. I am not taking anything away from them. I give them a lot of credit. I did not see this coming. I, I watched them in the NBA Finals myself, and I thought, they should have won the finals if they had more experience. Had they been there, there were just too many times when they just, you know, didn't know how to take advantage of, of a Warriors team when they had them on the ropes at home, things like that. Um, I knew they would take a step forward, not like this. Um, I still think it's going to come down to them and the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. Uh, Milwaukee is extremely tough. Giannis playing like an MVP again. I don't know if they can sustain this type of, like, you know, historic offensive uh, efficiency. But they are they, that Malcolm Brogdon trade was perfect for them. Uh, Missoula has shown that he he can coach. Um, we were wondering about that, but we still have to see when they are in a seven game series and they have to make adjustments. Um, things get tough. They face some adversity. What's going to happen there? Uh, but so far they look great. Um, I don't know if they can keep it up, but I do think they're going to be there for the rest of the season as one of the top, probably top two or three teams in the NBA. So you could wager that the Celtics are going to win the championship at three to one. Following that, the Bucks six to one, the Golden State Warriors seven to one, Clippers eight to one, Nets twelve to one, Cleveland, which I'm I'm making a ton of money this year on Cleveland, twenty two to one. So sitting right now and looking at your power rankings, and you know if if it's not the Celtics, who's the team that you think is 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 going to get better? as the season progresses and, and you think has a good shot of winning at the season outside of the Celtics, Ohm? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to get better because they're 18-6, but they are because they just got Chris Middleton back. Um, so if they stay healthy with Chris Middleton now giving Giannis help, they're going to be better. Um, and I would say, you know, other teams to look for, um, I mean, the Clippers will get better with health. I think the Denver Nuggets will play better um, as Jamal Murray – kind of gets his feet back under him from coming back from his ACL and also Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. has been out now for an extended stretch here. If he can get healthy, the Denver Nuggets will be better and they will be a contender as well. Um, and so I, I would probably those teams come to mind. I mean, Phoenix, I think it's going to still be Phoenix. They're going to be up there as well. But Milwaukee is the first team that comes to mind because of Chris Middleton being back. Oh, you rock. Always great having you on. Always great hearing your voice. And, and we appreciate it here on 710 ESPN LA. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Anita.
You got it. Uh, so there concludes our show, and uh, we, we definitely have gotten you ready for the weekend, have we not, right? Lindsay Theory was on with us earlier, getting you ready for that Sunday night Chargers-Dolphins game. I gave you my pick there. Some really interesting games for the teams out out east, and that's the Jets and, and, the, and the Giants in control of their own destiny, but going up against two powerhouses this week. And, of course, Rich Samini and Elena Getzenberg uh, really giving us a great preview of that Jets-Bills matchup. Fat Jack, want to thank him. FatJackSports.com, that's where you can find him. J.J. Duvaney getting you ready for World Cup action on Saturday. And, of course, the fantastic Ohm uh, joining us to talk some NBA. So you are locked and loaded. You are ready to go. And hopefully uh, we have helped you win some money over the weekend. I want to thank our producers, uh, Tyler and Rebecca, always do a phenomenal job. Everybody, good luck this weekend. We'll see you next week right here. Bet LA on 710 ESPN LA.